Welcome to Attune and Align, the podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Lavalette, and I'm the founder of Attune and Align, a community for women who attune to the calling of their heart and take action to align their lives accordingly. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm so glad you're all here. On Attune and Align podcast, we showcase the stories of real women who say hell yes to their dreams and do whatever it takes to manifest the outcomes they want to see in their lives. We hope you'll leave today's episode feeling inspired, energized, and excited to take your very own first step on your personal journey towards living life on your own terms. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to my friend Sylvia Doss, the founder of Open Circles and the host of Re-Envision Health podcast. Sylvia is an entrepreneur and employer health consultant who strongly believes that health is a strong contributor to our life experience. She has evolved her career through various aspects of the health and nutrition fields, including business owner, board member, certified holistic nutritionist, group fitness instructor, and health coach to those recovering from cancer. When not working on health initiatives, Sylvia enjoys music, photography, and enjoying sports with her husband, Andre. Thank you, Marissa. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much in advance for all of your time and and thank you for your energy in, in collaborating on these questions for our episode today. Sure. I wanted to kick off our conversation just to give the listeners an idea of of how the universe crossed our paths and, and how it is that we came to have a conversation in the first place. Um, I actually found you um, in a PowerPoint presentation. As you know, I'm wrapping up my education in holistic nutrition consulting with Bowman College. There, as many of you listening may know, they are a holistic nutrition and wellness school based in California, and they offer an array of health coaching and personal chef programs on campus and online. And I've been a member of the online holistic nutrition consulting cohort. And in the slides, learning about booster foods and of superfoods that you can add to your smoothies or soups or sprinkle on salads, anything to give your food an extra kick. So one of the suggestions was a brand called Vital Scoop. And I really, really liked the name. And I'm a habitual smoothie drinker, but I didn't have any kind of green powder to add to my drink. So I Googled Vital Scoop. And you know what happens once we start Googling? It's like, then you start reading about the owner and the founder. And then when I really want to get to know a person, then I'll track down their Instagram account. And that's what led me to you, Sylvia. So from Dr. Bowman's PowerPoint presentation... I discovered that you are the woman behind Vital Scoop. That's how I found you. <laughs> yeah, it is all about Googling people and figuring out who's who. You can find out so much. Yeah, you know, I had that PowerPoint presentation out there and I had done the presentation for a group. It was around corporate wellness because a lot of holistic nutritionists are interested in working with companies. After they finished with it, they just posted it out on the internet. And I know, you know, some speakers feel like, oh, gosh, you just don't want your stuff posted out there on the internet. 
But I have met so many people through that video. You know, people watch it and they connect with me and they want to talk about their business. And I actually just love it. I love it. I'm glad that 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 turned out well. I'm glad that it connected us. And even the word align is in my brand name, in the name of this podcast, Attune and Align. And I think that when we are engaged in careers or projects or undertakings that really align with our heart's higher purpose, that let's say, for example, your presentation gets leaked out there, right? But when we are aligned, we can expect that it will bring us and cross our paths with with the people who we're meant to meet. We're a living example of how that actually works out sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. So what I'd love to hear from you is how did you discover your passion for food, for healthy eating? Eating. Um, what are some of the life events that led you to that education via Bowman College? And, and what were some of your takeaways from that NC, Nutrition Consultant Education? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot over the years. And it actually started way before I actually thought it started. Um, when I think about it, my grandmother, who I was very close to, she had a friend across the street who was vegan. Now, I mean, this was like in the 60s and the 70s. And it's like, what the heck is a vegan, right? And so she was vegan and she, she caught all her own rainwater to wash her hair. And she didn't go to a regular, you know, MD doctor. She had like a naturopath she worked with. But I remember my grandmother was always, this is what she does. This is how she takes care of herself. This is how she takes care of her life. This is the kind of doctors that she sees. And I never had a negative feeling toward it. And even my grandmother, you know, she used to have a, a garden and she used to grow alfalfa sprouts in a jar constantly. <laughs> and so some of this, I think, was just in me, this interest in food and natural food. As I got older, I started to really wonder about it because the things I was hearing about what was in our food just didn't seem right. And I didn't feel that I had a good handle on understanding what's going on with food. (laughs) I mean, basically just what's going on with food. So I started studying nutrition because I personally wanted to just understand what was going on. What does the nutrition consultant education look like real time? What does it look like real life? And, And how did it take shape or how did you leverage that education once the program was complete? Once it was complete, you know, I wanted to share it out and you're get, I'm getting ideas, you know, as I go. And at the same time, I'm still, you know, have my corporate job and working and working through that career at the same time. And I would just do things, you know, you can really have to be, you have to be really vulnerable. And it would be things like, I'm going to run a, you know, six week thing on, I don't know, eating healthy. We're going to meet on Zoom every Wednesday night. And, you know, I get a core people who show up and I run a little, I like to teach anyway, by the way. So (laughs) I get a core people who like to show up and I go through my little thing and try to come up with some food and some dishes. And I did that. I looked at a way to combine it with exercise. Even though I was teaching at the YMCA for a while, I ran my own group on Monday nights. It was called Monday nights. And the idea was that, you know, Mondays is a hard day, but gosh, if you can get exercise in the first day of the week, you could probably just keep it going. 
and would try to integrate some of the health in there into the exercise part. And we would exercise and we would have a lot of fun. We'd have hula hoops and all kinds of stuff. And I just kept trying different things. What I found over, let's say, five, six years is a lot of that has flowed back into my work within corporations and helping organizations to put together strategies that reach across health strategies that reach across the organization, not just come through employee benefits, but also reach across the organization. So what's going on with the cafeteria? What's going on with your safety provisions? What's going on with the snack machines? You know, I used to just always be horrified where I used to work because they had all this junk in the snack machines. And, you know, the average age was in the 40s. And I, was, and I knew what the health issues were. And I was like, this really doesn't even need to be there. It's just kind of morphed as I've been open to it and just open to opportunities that have come up with it. You know, you were talking about how you took your holistic nutrition consulting education and you applied it to your corporate nine to five job. And I think that, you know, our teachers at Bowman College would be so proud of our conversation right now, if I may say so myself, because you just mentioned all of these things of how you know, a lot of corporations will try to support their employee health in a vacuum. Like I know so many corporations with good intention that will say like, oh, we're going to do a yoga class once a month and then they can check the box, right? And they can go to their admin and be like, we did it. You know, we're taking care of employee health and they move on. But you were examining, you know, through the lens of your nutrition education, you were like making a holistic evaluation and you were seeing like, okay, well, that's great if I'm going to teach the Monday night fitness class, but then what are we serving in the cafeteria? What are some of the environmental health hazards? And then you mentioned, of course, the vending machine, right? So imagine all the employees, they are glowing. Imagine they just came out of your fitness class. They've got all the endorphins going, or, or maybe they just came out of yoga and they just had a great shavasana. What are they going to refuel with when they go to the snack machine? Is that going to be Diet Dr. Pepper and Cheetos? I mean you really were able to identify, you know, some more issues and some of the things that, you know, we don't think of when we think we're checking a box. And, and it ties so much to company visions and the business need for it. You know, there's a lot of data out there around, you know, better productivity and happiness and this, that, and the other. But when it really comes down to it, I just feel like if people can be comfortable at work, they're going to do so much better job. So if they're comfortable in their ergonomics, if, you know, they're not dealing with so many health issues, they're not tired because they're not sleeping well because they're not eating right or they're not getting the point. All that impacts just your comfort. And if, if you're distracted by not being comfortable, you can't do your best work. You know, because when I asked you, you know, what does the NC education look like when that is complete? It's a conversation that I have in my role as health coach and also in my role as yoga teacher trainer. I mentor new yoga teachers who, in this example, we can think of them as like a brand new health coach. So like a parallel situation. And then the question I always get asked is, I'm a certified yoga instructor now. Should I quit my full-time job tomorrow? Oh, I just graduated from Bowman College, or I just graduated from holistic nutrition school, and I'm ready to launch a coaching business. Should I quit my, my full-time job tomorrow morning? 
what I noticed is you said that the first thing you did was that you took that education and applied it to your nine to five corporate job. So could you say a little bit more about whether that was calculated or whether you ever planned to cold turkey quit a corporate job? Just trying to get the listeners an idea of like, what could a professional pathway look like? For example, with some of these things that we call side hustles or side gigs or coaching type things and like how viable do you think those are or like what what could a timeline be like for that? At a certain point, I had in my mind that I was going to quit working in corporate because I was kind of at a place where I was looking to do something different, but I knew that doing it different for someone else at the level I was looking at was going to take all of me. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I could keep this thing going and that thing going. And so I um, made that decision. And then I started thinking about ways that I can bring it all together. My goal was that at a certain point, I would probably get to where the work that I was doing in nutrition was going to be too much for me to keep my, quote, day job. And that was my goal. However, what ended up happening is that my day job people decided they wanted to move out of the state. I had a number of interviews with them. And I had this whole little box, this whole little schedule, all the things I was looking for. And I was looking for everything. And everything checks off. And they say, you know, we'd love to have you. The last level is we'd like for you to talk to the owner. He just meets everybody, you know, beforehand. And I was like, I I can't waste this time (laughs) because my heart just wasn't in the job. (laughs) And so I let it go and I just leaned into what I was doing. But I feel like you have to work up to it in a couple of ways. One is certainly financially, but also you have to work up to it confidence wise. You know, you have to find a way that you can actually make money in it or, you know, have some kind of support in making money in it. It takes some figuring out. You know, I I feel like, you know, we, we read stuff in newspapers and watch TV and Shark Tank and all that. And they make it like you go out and you get $10 million and you run. But it really takes some figuring out, particularly if you have other things you need to be concerned about, like yourself, your health, your family, right? I mean, this is real life. I I really appreciate you, Sylvia, using the F word, finances. (laughs) I was like, what F word did I use? (laughs) I am... <laughs> you, you, you looked at me, you're like, I did not. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you brought up finances. Ironically, in my coaching business, women come to me, as you know, either for health coaching or yoga coaching or um, spirituality coaching. And ironically, I actually spend a lot of my time every day talking to women about money. And that always surprises people. And it, and it actually surprised me at first as well, because when I quit my, my full-time nine to five, um, about two years ago, it was two full calendar years ago, very similar to what you said, like you don't quit cold Turkey. You put a bunch of irons in the fire and you see which ones light up and you see which ones work and don't work and see which ones will sustain over time. And then when you finally collect some data, like you said at the beginning of the call, I want some data-based research, right? Then you can begin to make a strategic plan. 
but long story short, you know, women are always surprised when they book sessions with me and then, and then I'm asking them about money, right? Because they come to me because they have a plan either for like a, the business of their dreams or defining their own lifestyle on their own terms. But the reality is, is that, like you said, we do have obligations. We have obligations to family members or we have health concerns that we're grappling with. You know, we have dreams, but we are discussing them here on planet earth in the physical plane. So I do appreciate you saying, you know, in a podcast that that uses very, you know, metaphysical words like attunement and alignment, let's be very clear that we can believe and we can have faith, but there are also very concrete skill sets that need to be developed over time that that will sustain us um, financially as we chase our vision. Exactly. And, And another way I think we need to be clear about it is... You may want to teach yoga all day long and you may say, oh, I just want to give it away for like donation based some free classes. But that means that what you're giving is going to be very short lived because, because you still have the finances. And so I just think if you really want to deliver something to the world, you have to figure out a way to fund it. And it doesn't mean that you're only going to work, let's say, with yoga people who are going to pay you $100 a class. But it means that you have enough of what you need so that you can also support people who maybe can't afford it. But you've got to be thoughtful about, about how to keep yourself in a position to keep sharing. What is really cool, and I think you and I, we have a parallel journey at that initial juncture of our journeys. Like when I was thinking about leaving my full-time job to pursue this career in wellness, when I had the security of my full-time job, like you said, just do the thing. While you have the security of your full-time income and your benefits, well, what do you have to lose? Try everything. I love what you said. I mean, I was laughing over here. You made me think of myself. Get on Zoom, say we're doing a six-week coaching program, show up or don't show up. And and every single session is a data point. You've nothing to lose. Right. Right. Yeah. How do you do it? How do you actually make it happen? And that's not something you want to be doing. If let's say, well, like actually like my case, exactly. There's 50 other people and me graduating this Friday. Let's say all 50 of us woke up Saturday morning and we're like, that's it. This is now going to be our 100% source of income. But what if we haven't done any of the experiments yet? We haven't done any group coaching or anything to see like what works and what doesn't. So if our listeners walk away with anything from today, it's like, yeah, this podcast exists because I want you to chase your dreams, but let's be strategic about it, right? (laughs) How do you do it? Oh my gosh. Well, Sylvia, I'm feeling warmed up now. I'm rolling up my sleeves, sweating a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So right next to my water glass here, I have vital scoop right next to me. So I, I brought it all the way in here from the kitchen. It's this cute little container with a twist off top. This is the vanilla and you open it 
and the most um, beautiful fragrant vanilla smell comes out. And let's see, I mean, what's in there? All kinds of greens, um, spirulina, wheatgrass, kelp, dulce, alfalfa powder, Jerusalem artichoke. Don't worry, I'm not going to make them sit through the whole list. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in here. There's even probiotic. There's a probiotic blend in there. There's glutamine in there, you know, so healing for the entire digestive tract. Even for people like me, for people like us who have gone through the program and we're like, oh, I eat so healthy. We still miss stuff. So it's really good to to sprinkle this in. Um, can, can you tell the tell our audience what's involved in owning Vital Scoop? How do you end up the owner of a green powder blend? Right when just two minutes ago we were talking about you know your nine to five cor- corporate jobs. How did we get here? So I went to Bowman College. Vital Scoop was founded by Ed Bowman, Dr. Bowman, and I used to buy it. We used to use it here. I used to recommend it to people. I used to buy it from my dad all the time. He loved it. Um, he would just sprinkle it on his food. It, you know, if he didn't get enough grease that day, he sprinkled on his grits or rice or whatever. Still does. And I found out it was going out of business. And the first thing, you know, my husband said, we were, I was, this was about at the end of the first year I wasn't working. First thing my husband said is, well, can we buy it? And I mean, this isn't what we do. I mean, we don't have a bunch of products or manufacturing or anything. And I was like, oh, no, maybe. And so we just went through figuring out how do we buy it? How do we manufacture it? You know, the nice thing about the product is that it came with a group of people who are just great people. The, the people we have manufacturing are just fabulous. The person who designs the label, it's just an exercise in figuring out how to do it. You're Googling stuff, you're talking to people, you're asking questions. First of all, um, I, I wrote down, and this is this is your, your husband, his name is Andre, correct, right? Andre, yeah. Andre says, can we buy it? <laughs> I just think that's so cool. Because what, what was your reaction when, when he said, can we buy it? You know, I knew he was serious, but I was like, wow, like, where's this coming from? It was kind of random. It was the first thing really came out of his mouth. I'm smiling so big because today's Marissa that you're talking to, like that is something I would say, but Marissa in the past those are words, uh, you know, that would never come out of my mouth, anything like that. And I just think that there are a lot of people tuning in who want to have statements like that come out of their mouths, just like, oh, that looks so cool. Let me do it. Or that looks like a really cool project. I'm going to figure it out. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm having conversations with people to hear of those really cool moments where the possibility of doing something, the possibility of embarking on an adventure was more fun that would outweigh any of the downsides of like, say, for example, anything that you didn't really know how to do yet. And the information is so available and people are are really helpful. That is one thing I've, I've learned through this whole process is just reaching out and talking to people. I've talked to so many people, particularly women who have their own businesses and just understand like their style of doing it. Women who had businesses, who went through failures. People are very happy 
to talk about their business. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. An example comes to mind. I mean, this is the second podcast episode that I'm recording. I had the idea for the podcast probably a little over a year ago. I kind of had an idea. And then my husband, Shane, said, oh, you should do a podcast. Uh, You know, the signs from the universe start coming. My mom calls me from New Jersey. Oh, you should do a podcast. Have you heard of this thing? It's called a podcast. You should do one. And I kept saying, no, 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 because I don't know how to do it. Right. That's what I was telling myself. I don't know how to do it. And I kept postponing and postponing. And then finally, I just I got my friend on the phone for the first episode. And I said, well, I guess we're doing this because it's been on my mind. And like you said, information is so available. I will just have to figure it out step by step. Because if I'm not willing to do that, then I will never get started. The hardest part is actually when you release it and it's out there. (laughs) I mean, you can play around with it forever. The hardest part is when it's out. But you know what? It's just work in progress. Our conversation today is coinciding with a lot of interesting things happening in my life right now. Like you said, I had no problem publishing the podcast episode, but you know what I haven't done yet? I haven't yet sent the newsletter to my newsletter subscribers saying that it's up and ready. So like some people knew about it and have been listening. So I guess... It is just yet another stage of this wild journey. It's like, okay, you did the podcast, but it's like, okay, now if you want people to listen to it, you have to tell them about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel like that. I was talking to these gentlemen that I'm working with. They have a startup and so you got to put it out there. And they're like, yeah, I mean, this guy's a brilliant, you know? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I guess we're just kind of, I said, I know. I said, well, go ahead, put it out there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, well, thank you for sharing that with me. Cause I think I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm really expending a lot of energy on over here. I'm like, okay, I did the podcast. Now I'm not going to tell anybody about it. No. You know, I see that with a lot of my clients too. A lot of women come to me when they have an idea for like a wellness website or a wellness community or like a wellness blog or a newsletter. And the same thing happens. Like we will talk together for hours about what the content is going to be and what's their color scheme and what URL should they buy and all that. And then everything is great. And we wrap that up. And then I follow up with them months later and I'm like, okay, so like, Where is the website? Where is the newsletter? Again, it's all about manifestation. And it seems like the universe is laying open the pathway for us, but we're the ones putting the obstacles on our path. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, Marissa, I have a saying that I have written up here, and it says that vulnerability is the greatest strength of our human condition. Aw. Is that right there? Is that written right there where you're sitting? Yeah, I have it written down (laughs) because. Because if there's anything that keeps me from doing something, it's like, uh, I'm not quite ready. Uh, I don't exactly know what to say. And that is all about vulnerability. It is. I don't know. I'll just say it because it's a women's podcast. I think women grapple with it in a different way than men do, or we are held to different standards, right? We get a great idea or an idea for a project and we want to move forward. But there's this idea that like, oh, I can't do it unless it's perfect on the first try. But if I would only take a deep breath, repeat what you just said to me, vulnerability is the greatest strength of our human condition. That means that we have permission 
to try something, to put our offering out into the world, even if we're not convinced that we're going to knock it out of the park on the first time, whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> oh, I can feel this coming on. I think I'm. I think that's going to go on a post-it note right on the bottom of my monitor here. Thank you for sharing that with me. Sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's the next question. The next question is, Sylvia, every time you've made a transition or a change in the trajectory of your career path or your personal journey, what are some of the guiding phrases or mantras or sayings, or what are some of your values that have guided you in your decision-making process? So we have the one about vulnerability. What else comes to mind? I spend time also just seeing how stuff feels to me. And I've worked really hard at finding this balance of being in my head and really being in my heart or being in my body. And I'm a very heady person. And so, you know, I can think, okay, it should go like this, 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 this. But I also need you to spend some time feeling like, do I feel comfortable with that? Does it make me happy to think about that? How do I feel when I talk about it? And even if you spend a few days or a week or whatever, just getting that sense, to me, that's been super helpful. And that's been a learning as well. Start off on one path and then it kind of goes into a little different direction. You're like, God, that feels really good to me. Then you go in a different direction. Wow, that feels even better to me. And that's really how I figured a lot of stuff out. And just include people. Talk to people about what you're doing. It seems so basic, right? I mean, I think back to to childhood, for example, you know, when I felt like there was more freedom to decide things based on, oh, do you like it? Is it fun? Does it feel good? Does it make you happy? Right. And that's before we get a little bit older and then we get up in the head and then we start projecting our expectations or, and like we said earlier, strategy is important. We're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here, but if we are going to live a life that is driven by passion, then how you feel on the inside will absolutely have to be part of that decision-making process. And not all the people around you are going to understand that or get it. In some cases, maybe not even be in support of it, but you know, it's not for them. It's not for everybody. Whatever each of us is doing and not for everybody. It's for whoever it's for. Exactly. Which segues me into the next question. Oh my goodness. Sylvia, who supports you in your big dreams? I am curious to hear, you know, some of the voices that have shaped your journey, voices that have either supported or thrown you off your trajectory, if you'd like to share. I'd say my husband, Andre, is the main one. You got to have the person who's closest to you, who can most, I think, influence your life, where you live, how much money you're spending or not spending. You know, that's the person who needs to be in support of what you're doing. And, you know, I know women whose husbands just, they just couldn't get it. And it made it impossible for them to be able to do their thing. So I think it's that and just having good friends and good friends who can be honest, who can say, yeah you know, I think you could do this in a better way or that or a better way. Or here's somebody I think you should talk to, and, you know, listening to them. And, and you're not always going to be ready to apply everything you hear at that time. But you know, you take it, you take it down, you have notes, you kind of factor those types of things in. I think the people who aren't supportive, and I fortunately haven't had really a lot of that, you know, it's people who have different agendas. 
you know, I don't, I'm not sure that you can go to your manager at your job and talk about <laughs> this other thing you're trying to go to, because that, that's not what they're there for. Sometimes people are, get afraid that, oh, you're going to quit and you're not going to have any money and you just need positive people around you. Yeah, that just resonates so much. Um, you know, you mentioned your husband, Andre, and it makes me think of my husband, Shane, and and everything that I've really, you know, he didn't sign up for Marissa's <laughs> entrepreneurial journey. Exactly. So I just... <laughs> We've been together 13 years already. So we're, we're married for three. We got married on our 10 year anniversary, but even after all that time, I don't think he had signed up for some of the things, some of the late nights and website crashes and things that he had no idea that the husband was automatically assigned to on my entrepreneurial journey. He's like, timeline manager and tech support, <laughs> whether he wants to be or not. Exactly. Uh, you know, I also think my husband deals with me, just my time being so much time being spent in this, you know, as opposed maybe with him or just being kind of tired or you have to be really supportive of the person you love. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I, I, I bet Shane and Andre would like to swap stories. Pro and the con of working for oneself is you can set your own schedule, but then I find that there is um, the lines are blurred between like work day and weekend and all that. So one thing that I have done over the past couple of years is it doesn't sound like a lot, but I just make sure there's one activity, usually like Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon where it's just Shane and me. And it's non-negotiable. It's just us. So it's not like a group friend thing. And either we go for a walk or a hike or we go to a brewery or, or a restaurant or whatever. Because then without that, you know, we need to have that on the calendar. Because if not, then it'll get all consumed. Have you had to try anything like that? Or, or do you have any strategies like that? Same thing. You know, mine isn't as specific. But it's the same thing. I have a business coach that I've worked with for years. And she was really big about that from the very beginning, you know, is including your husband and making time for your relationship. It's about your cup being full. Exactly. Exactly. So Sylvia, a couple more questions here before we wrap up. I really want this podcast, you know, this is just the birth of the podcast. I'm dreaming of and envisioning so many more episodes in the future. I never want to have any of these conversations in a vacuum. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're just going to talk about our dreams and our strategies. I think that it's really important that we address the time that we live in. We are both women business owners. However, the time of being a woman business owner, it is just so important and so significant the time that we are living in right now. We are both driving and leading passion and value-driven businesses set against the backdrop of COVID-19, a global pandemic. And also, I wanted to dive into the conversation with you. What has this summer been like for you and your businesses and your business undertakings set against the backdrop of this summer's resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement? And what can you share with us in terms of what can we do to be mindful business leaders? What can consumers do to practice equity and justice in their purchasing practices? It's, it's a big question. Can you share from your experience over the past few weeks and months? One of the things is just 
being able to take care of myself and just realizing how much, let's say, COVID, right, having to be safe, not knowing a lot about what it is, what it isn't, and racial injustice. And me being an African-American woman, you know, that particularly actually touches me and it impacts me. I've had to sometimes just give myself, you know, I just need an extra day a week. I just need a day to just disconnect from everybody and just deal with being me. I need a, a day to, or I need time to reconnect with some organizations that really support me and feed me and give me what, what I consider a safe place. And I've done a lot of that. So I think as the business owner, I mean, that's real, right? It's, it's real just how I feel and how I'm able to show up. I also find that it has created a time, you know, to your point, I'm just thinking about, well, how do I show up? What do I say? What don't I say? You know, I can't think of anyone I don't talk to where I don't mention with something about racial injustice, you know, because we're, we're automatically talking about COVID, but that's not the whole story over what's been going on over this last several months. Yeah. And I will mention it and it doesn't matter who they are. <laughs> man, woman. And I, I've just built up this, you know what, this is who I am. If you don't like it, you probably just don't want to do any business with me anyway. And, and I just kind of let that go. And, but it does inform a lot of things. Like you mentioned, like, how do we spend our money? And I had this discussion with a friend of mine and there's kind of a thing where, well, you know, big organizations, you know, the owners have these kind of opinions and it's okay if you still spend money with them. You can't make that Actually, I was was coming into my house to do some work and they had all this anti-Black Lives Matter and da, da, da stuff. Would I hire that person? No way. No way would I give my money that I've worked so hard for, for them to further causes against me. So it really doesn't matter if you're dealing with a little business, a big business, what it is. I just don't think it matters. I think how you spend your hard-earned money and if you feel that the way to do it, to bring good into the world, is to support people who are doing good, then you do that if they are a single person or if they hire 100,000 people. Right. That really resonates with me because what has become very clear this summer is that the size of your business does not exempt you from prejudiced hiring practices it's all intertwined. And I think that's kind of the theme of our conversation today, because we started our conversation like, what is holistic health? And can we treat things in a vacuum? Like, oh, I'm going to donate to BLM one time. Like, I'm going to do that one yoga class and check that box. And we don't affect systemic change that way. No, we don't. We don't. Yeah, we have to be in it. We have to really be in it. And you grow into it. You know, you grow into it. You, you know, you don't hire the person to come and fix something in your house and then you kind of grow into, well, and sometimes it's like, gosh, I hate to have to give up doing business with that company, <laughs> but I got to find an option. <laughs> right. That's the other thing. Maybe you did have like a really good partnership going, but then you found out like, oh, no, that wasn't really a good partnership. So it maybe was not easy to let go of it. We're all engaging in this re-education process and trying to figure out what are people's values really and asking people to be more transparent and articulate those. Sylvia, 
Yeah. This is my favorite part of the conversation. Are you ready? This is the rapid fire question. Oh. Right? Okay. So, so don't overthink it, right? Okay. I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful for my foundation. Education-wise, family-wise, even money-wise, just grateful for that right now. What are you currently reading? Right now I'm reading Race After Technology. I actually have it right here by Ruha Benjamin. Is that a new one or an older title? It's a newer title and I love it. I'm going to follow up. You can send me a link. I'll add that to my list. Okay, I will. And I like technology, so I love, I love this. Oh, awesome. Sylvia, we've been talking about food on a tangent the whole time, but now I really want to know, what's your favorite food? <laughs> Hands down, French fries. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I like sweet potato fries. I've had to like even like, you know, taper that in some ways somehow. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a great response. I told you not to overthink it. So it's the French fries. What's your favorite season of the year? I mean, that's a hard question because we live in San Francisco. So it's kind of weird. I'd say spring. It's kind of new and fresh and it's early in the year. I feel like I can get a lot of stuff done and who knows what's going to happen. I joked with my friend who did the first episode. I was like, any answer except winter was going to be acceptable. So (laughs) that's a trick question. Which is kind of sad because my birthday is in the winter, but it's my least favorite season. Sylvia, once we are allowed or once it's safe and you want to get out of town, where are you going next? Well, this year we had hoped to go to Senegal and Morocco. Oh my goodness. So I think that'll be back on the charts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fingers crossed. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to see your photos from your Senegal and Morocco trip. I can't either. <laughs> I know now the suspense is really building. Now we're all, we're even more excited. Here's a good one. So you're going to fill in the blanks. People think I am blank, but I'm actually blank. People think I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. I'd say people think I'm an extrovert, but I'm really an introvert. That's a good one. That's a really good one. And that's been really relative during, you know, the shelter in place. Right. That's like the shelter in place. Just it's a whole other level of that conversation. Sylvia, what's your perfect day? How would you spend a perfect day? I would get up when I was ready to get up. (laughs) I get some some good coffee. (laughs) And I do something outside. I don't care if it's just out walking around or out in my backyard or just in the sun would be up. The sun would have to be out. (laughs) Okay, good. Yes, yes. For the perfect day, this is question 11, letter H. I'm going to have to say to all of my guests from here on out, like you have to include sunshine as part of your answer. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you can see right behind me, the gray light coming in through my windows. It's my circadian system is very confused right now. All right. Success is? Being able to impact people positively. Mm, I'm writing that one down. Even if it's a little thing, but just being able to impact people. And then finally, we might have captured it already before. Your favorite quote, your favorite mantra, or your favorite saying 
that you keep telling yourself to keep chasing down your dreams? Mm. Well, I actually have two. The vulnerability is one of them. But the other one, when I was probably in high school, my grandmother went to Solvang and she brought back these little pieces with Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And she brought one back for each of her grandkids. And I still have mine. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a family heirloom. That's so nice. Yeah, that would be my other one I look to. Sylvia, I knew that we would breeze through our conversation. I could not have dreamt of a more exciting conversation. And thank you for the smiles and the laughs. And they won't be able to see the smiles, but they can hear them. Yeah, they can hear them. They can hear them. Yeah, thank you, Marissa. It's been a lot of fun. You know, you're doing just really good work, just putting yourself out there and just sharing these stories with people. I just really good stuff. It's been very enjoyable. <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of the conversation. Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing your story and your experiences. And can't wait for a larger audience to get to hear from you and learn from you. I'll close us out here. This has been a Tune and Align podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune into our conversations. And more importantly, thank you for taking the time to tune into the power of your own dream. We'd love to hear your questions and engage with you over on our socials. Follow Attune and Align and post your questions for Sylvia and for our community in our Instagram feed. Tag us whenever you're taking action to attune to your heart and align your life using our hashtag Attune and Align. We can't wait to see what your heart will ask you to do next. My name is Marissa Lavalette. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking this time to get clear on the things you want to manifest in the life of your dreams. A woman living a life that aligns with her soul creates a powerful ripple effect in her relationships and in her communities. When you live your best life and share your unique gifts, you give permission for others to attempt to do the same. Now go shine your light. Namaste. Namaste.